With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and we talk to him every Sunday, and we look up in the skies and wonder what the heck is going on. Uh, Steve Cates, uh, uh, give us an update of, uh, uh, of what's going on, especially with the, the moonshot. Yes, good morning, John, and good morning to all the listeners out there across the nation. Here we go. The Vulcan Centaur rocket, its first launch ever, was a great success. But on board, the astrobotic little lander called Peregrine, we all find out had some difficulties. Here's the backstory. Apparently, on separation from the second stage, as this particular spacecraft was headed toward the moon, something happened to the plumbing, let's put it that way. A stuck valve may not have opened and closed properly, thus canceling this historic mission. This would have been, John, the first commercial soft landing on the surface of the moon. It's very sad. But also, something interesting that people may not know, on board from a company called Celestis and another company, there were to be 62 of these little capsules of human remains that were going to be set down upon the moon on this little peregrine lander. The Navajo Nation, of course, and there's been a big argument back and forth about how sacred the moon should be to them, and it is. But here's something interesting that nobody's talking about. There were a total of 330 capsules on board the rocket. So 268 of those are still going to go out into space. And I don't know how they got the DNA, John. We have ex-presidents, even George Washington, other famous people like Gene Roddenberry and his wife, so they can rest in this eternal, you know, kind of a cemetery in the sky. And we blast it out going around the sun forever. Amazing stuff. Understood. And uh, I, I, I think they got it from some hair or something that uh, that was available. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you scratch your head and it's amazing. Uh, now, uh, so the the moonshot is not a complete failure. It's only a, a partial failure. Is that what you were saying? I would say that's a good way to summarize it because the lander is not capable of doing it. Here's what they could do, and this would be a waste of the whole you know, space mission, more of a disaster. The object could, of course, go into lunar orbit. But upon trying to descend to the moon, there's no propellant to control that, and there's no way it would just simply crash into the moon, and that's not a good thing. But future iterations of Astrobotic, we have to mention, Astrobotic is a very good company, John. What do I mean by good? They have some great designs on there, but obviously we have some serious issues that have to be taken care of. But here's something quite fascinating. Many people may not realize. Animals paved the way for space. And here's a quick story. We found out the Russians sent a dog known as Laika, which in Russian means Barker, back on November 3rd of 1957. Poor Laika was a street dog, and they actually grabbed her because she was tough, rough, and she could handle probably the harshness of space. She sadly died in space. But we had many, many other animals that went to space. And two of them, another Russian set of dogs, Belka and Strelka, they went up into space, and they came back. And they orbited the Earth. And little Strelka gave birth to six little puppies, one named Pushinka. And this is great. This was a gift from Nikita Khrushchev to President Kennedy and his children. And John, there's probably a bunch of little siblings running around today of little Pushinka. And two tortoises actually orbited the moon way before Apollo 8 went there. And guess what? Those two tortoises came back. They lost a little weight, but they were healthy. Amazing stuff, don't you think? <laughs> wow. And... Uh... You know, it's just so many things. Uh, now, one of the other problems I understand uh, yeah. is uh, we have over, what, 
5,000 uh, satellites orbiting the Earth, and it's starting to interfere uh, with some of the telescopes? It sure is, John. That's a big concern. I notice it out here, even out in Arizona and other people across the country, around the world. You're trying to take a picture with a decent camera, let's say ground-based, and what do you get? You get all these streaks that are <laughs> coming through your picture, but on a bigger telescope, some of these monster telescopes that are down in Chile, they're building the ELT, Extremely Large Telescope, but the problem there is you take a picture of a galaxy, and you and I look at it and say, wow, look at that amazing image, but what the heck is that line going through the picture? So what they're trying to do, this is interesting, they're trying to use AI, this is amazing, where it can actually kind of figure out when and where would be the best times to actually shoot these particular pictures so that they can do it ahead of the curve. But the problem, John, we know this, there's so many objects in space, and obviously a space graveyard is starting to form up there. So they have a new way, at least that's something. It's not a total solution. I think, in my opinion, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a bigger problem. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we, me and you talked about it in, in the past that uh, we need a sanitation uh, uh, department uh, <laughs> satellite to pick up all that uh, uh, crap. We sure uh, do, but yes. Any, go ahead. Anything else? Well, we have the mystery of the week really quickly. We find out that Jupiter, which everybody knows is the largest planet, John, they've just discovered it has magnetic jets of material in a magnetic field, it's 20,000 times the magnetic field of the Earth. Now, it reaches out to 650 million miles in all directions, so that actually covers the Earth. So is this a bad thing? Well, the jury is not out yet because it might protect us from solar flares in a way, or it could just destabilize some of the Earth's magnetic field in a minor way at this point. At least that's what we hope. But Jupiter, you know, as we talked to Live Sky, John, just simply go outside, look up in a clear sky, and look high up into the southern sky, that object that you see with the naked eye, even in bright city lights, is over 400 million miles away as we open up everybody's minds here on Sunday. We always remind them, go to wabcradio.com for the Dr. Sky experience, talking about these great realms. And appreciate the time with you, John, and the listeners of our morning show here on Sundays as we talk about this with you on the Cats Roundtable. Thank you, Steve Cates, and we'll catch up with you again next Sunday. Thank you so much. Thank you, John.